As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to episode 63, brought to you by PrepDish and RX Bar. For a free two-week trial to PrepDish, go to PrepDish.com slash lovely, code lovely. And for 25% off your first order of RX Bars, go to RxBar.com slash lovely and use code lovely. Also, a little forewarning, this episode is all about birth stories, and we really didn't hold back. So if there are little ears or potentially male ears in the room, you may want to use some discretion. Lovely with me, Mackenzie Monroe from CultivatingTheLovely.com and Bold Turquoise across pretty much all social media, along with Erin Odom from TheHumbledHomemaker.com. And today we're going to be talking about our birth stories. Now this one could get a little bit intense, I'm assuming. <laughs> and I think I want to say like right off the bat, there's no judgment here. For the, We are not sharing our birth stories to try to make anybody feel like less of a mom or like, no, there's none of that. Let's just get that off the table right from the start. These are just our personal experiences and maybe what we've learned through our births or how we've handled different births. And every personality is different. Every birth is different. Every pregnancy is different. So just know this is just us sharing what we've been through. Absolutely. No shame for anyone. Yes. So, I guess what should how should we handle this, Erin? Like, should we go in birth order? Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Well, we each have four kids. I yes. kind of like going in birth order, okay. and I think yours, your oldest is twelve. He's almost. Well, let's see. No, he's twelve now. By the time this episode comes out, okay. Yes, he is twelve. Oh my gosh! So we could go every other one. Like okay. we could start with you because you gave birth first. You gave I birth did. to yours. Before I did. So, yes, I was a young mama. So, I I had him a week before my 22nd birthday. So, it was like six days before I turned 22. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was like, if you're a first time mom, just also know there's no judgment. But when you have more children, right now, when you'll be listening to this, you'll be like, hey, I know more than you give me credit for or whatever. And then you'll have more <laughs> kids and then you'll be like, oh, okay. And you'll hate me right now, but come back and listen to this after you have had more kids. And then you'll be like, yes, I get it. Because I was that mom. Like, man, I thought I... I knew what I was doing. Like, I Mm -hmm. had it together. I did my research. I read my books. I was like, I had it together. I had a four-page birth plan, baby. (laughs) Like, 
I I knew what I wanted those, you know, nurses and doctors to do for me and what I didn't want them to do. And I was really committed to having a natural birth, but the only reason I wanted a natural birth is because I didn't want an epidural because I heard they had to catheterize you. And that mm-hmm. scared the bejeebies out of me. So it was no like high calling that I had to have a natural birth. It was just that I didn't want to be catheterized. And so I got a doula and I wrote this crazy long birth plan. And my son, I went into him when I went into birth when I was three days past my due date, you know, the arbitrary due date. But, (laughs) um, I I had drank like a whole bunch of raspberry, red raspberry leaf tea and everything and finally went into labor, woke up at like four in the morning, was having back pain. By probably noon, we knew like, this is like serious, serious. And we we almost left for the hospital at 9 a.m. And then at noon, we decided to go. And then when I got there, I was so worried they were going to send me back home. Like, I'd heard so many stories of women who'd gone, and they're like, oh, you're not far enough along. And so I, like, made it in there and was like, oh, I really hope I'm far enough. And she was like, yeah, you're at a six. You're not going anywhere. You're going to stay right here. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and so we thought, like, okay, I'm at a six. Like, I probably, it's probably not that much longer. Well, he was posterior, which I think you've been through a per- posterior birth as well. Yes, four. Oh, gosh, that's right. <laughs> that's so yeah. awful. It's awful. so hard. Yeah. yeah. I had had, like, I have scoliosis, and so I have a lot of back pain during my pregnancies. And especially mm-hmm. with him, I did a lot of reclining to, like, try to help with the back pain. And it wasn't until later that I found out how much that can aid in the kid being posterior instead of in the right position. And so I didn't end up having any other posterior babies, but he was. And so I just like plateaued out and I stayed at the same level forever. And I had a doula and then she had a backup doula come because she actually had like a two and a half month old baby. (laughs) Like, why she was at my birth was she had a two and a half month old baby. So her husband, they were old friends of ours, and he brought the baby up to the hospital and she would leave the room to go nurse her every couple of hours. And so then the backup doula would come in. And I, what I ended up feeling like was like I had two doulas that were like good cop, bad cop. And it ended up being a really good thing because one of them could be compassionate with me and the other one could be like, you got to do this. You have to get the baby out. And I never said that I wanted an epidural, but I very clearly remember saying, like, I can't do this. But the words in my head were, I want an epidural. Like, I I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore. Because all in all, he ended up being a 21-hour labor, which isn't, like, the worst thing ever. But it was two and a half hours of pushing, and it was posterior. And so that just that makes it that much harder. And I felt like towards the end there, um, the nurses just got, the hospital I was at was not used to seeing anyone with a natural birth. Mm. And like my nurse that I had as sweet as she was, I was the first natural birth she had ever witnessed. So she didn't even know what to do with me. Like, I just, (laughs) she she was completely flabbergasted by what I was doing. Like, she literally was just kind of like, I don't know. I'm at a loss. And so 
thank goodness I had my doulas, but some of the nurses, like there were a couple other nurses that came into the room while I was pushing and were saying things like, um, your baby's heart rate is dropping. You need to push harder and all this stuff. Well, it wasn't until afterward when my charts actually went to my new midwife that I went back and looked over the notes and everything and found out his heart rate had never dropped. Like it had never, there was never any cause for concern. She was just doing that to try to get me to do more than I was doing or like, I don't know. I just, I really didn't appreciate the way that that was. And I felt like there were so many people in the room and it was just super overwhelming. And it, like when I thought back on the birth experience, it just felt very intense and overwhelming and like I don't have control way. Like everyone else has control over what's happening here, but I don't. Mm -hmm. And like the doctor ended up cutting an episiotomy, which I had not wanted, but he was, my baby was also posterior. So I don't know how much of that, you know, would have, I mean, just who knows, you know, I just, so I had a pretty good amount of damage. I felt like coming out of it and, but I did bond with him right away. Like that part of it went well, but I remember just like getting, after getting sewn up and everything and the doctor had to keep telling the nurses who were coming into the room because they would normally just come in, I guess, and like knead the woman's stomach if she'd had an epidural to try to help the uterus go down to size. And he had Mm -hmm. to keep like fending off nurses saying like, she hasn't had an epidural. Like don't just like (laughs) grief on her because she can feel everything. And so that was different. And then I remember getting up and going in the bathroom to clean up and the nurse was in there with me and she's like, okay, like you have to clean up and here's like this Perry bottle and everything. And I was like, what do I do with that? Like, I don't know. And she's like, I don't know. Like, I've never brought a woman into the bathroom after she's had a baby. She's usually in the bed. And so I just remember so many things like that. Like, I just felt like they weren't prepared for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I, while I was committed to having a natural birth, I hadn't taken good birthing classes. I'd just taken the ones that my doctor had given me the brochure of. I didn't even know other options existed. And so as far as like, even my knowledge on how to handle the actual pain of the labor, I felt like I was completely unprepared for. So I did a lot different heading into my second labor, but it wasn't like it was the worst experience in the world, but it just, it was, it was just off-putting to me. Mm -hmm. And I had a really long recovery. That sounds kind of like my fourth birth. We'll get to it. But just like the nurse had no idea what to do with me with being a natural birth. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that was kind of my, that was my first baby. What about yours? So my first baby, totally unprepared. I knew that I wanted a natural birth, but I had grown up with my mom talking about how easy her labors were and how I just slid out and I'm her oldest and- and she talked about she never had epidurals. Giving birth was the easiest thing. So I had in my head, well, it was easy for my mom. It's going to be easy for me. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't. Yeah. So with my first one, um, I did not know anyone besides my mom who lived 12 hours away from me at the time who had had a natural birth. And um, I had no idea what to do to prepare for one. I got one book from the library, which was called like I, I was living in this small town in Mississippi and 
the only book that they had was called um, something like Easy Labor or something. And it was all about the pain relievers you could have. And so anyway, it was just, I was 100% unprepared. And um, eight days before my due date, I got up in the middle of the night, went to the bathroom and my water broke. And um, I called my mom who was in North Carolina. And of course she couldn't do anything, but I said, you know, my water, I think broke. And she said, sit on a towel. And like, yeah, water kept coming out. So she's like, yeah, your water's broke. So I went in and woke up my husband and told him. And so, um, we both, I think took showers, got ready to go. I had no labor pains or anything, but I was, um, group B strep positive, you know how, and like they tell you, you need to, to get to the hospital because you have to have antibiotics or whatever. And first time mom, like I had no idea. Yeah. any of it about any of that sure. you know I just believed everything they said and so we rushed to the hospital which was like 30 minutes away in, in Memphis Tennessee and we get there and um they were like all ready to give me my epidural or whatever and I was like nope I'm not having an epidural and they're probably just like oh this first time mom yeah. because I you know and like yeah. because people don't say that. And so the first nurse I had was fine. Uh, She was sweet. And so basically the labor pain, but they did give me Pitocin. So basically I get there, they check me and triage and they said, well, your, your water has broken, but you haven't dilated at all. Yeah. And you're not effaced. So I wasn't like, I don't guess I was really in labor. I don't know. So they said, but because you are group B strep positive, we have to give you Pitocin. So I went from not feeling any contractions to knives in my back. Yeah. And I was like like the worst. Oh, it's the worst. So I was lying down in the bed with like knives in my back. And that went on for about eight hours with no pain meds. And the sweet nurse, you know, she came in the room and I was like, what do I do? And she's like, I don't know. And so like, because she wasn't used to people not having that epidural. So basically we like did the whole like, like, what they do in movies because we had no idea. And so finally, after I had read that book, like there was this other drug that could take the edge off. And so I asked them after about eight or eight and a half hours, I said, can you just give me something to take the edge off? And so they gave me statol and I said, but I want to make sure whatever this is, is not going to make me feel loopy because even Zyrtec makes me feel loopy. I was like, I, I need something that's going to make me still be alert. And they guaranteed me that this would not do anything to my brain. Well, they gave it to me and I started hallucinating oh, like gosh. almost immediately. And so, um, I was telling my husband that I was like in a forest with all of these trees with red berries. And then while I was hallucinating, they came up and they're like, do you want an epidural now? And so I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. So, and looking back, I think it's really good. I was hallucinating when they gave it to me because one of the reasons I didn't want one was because I was afraid that I would like jump and like be paralyzed so (laughs) you were afraid of the catheter which I did end up getting I had a catheter I was afraid of being paralyzed and so basically while I was drugged up with this other drug and hallucinating in this forest (laughs) they gave me the epidural and then everything was fine like it totally worked and I took a nap and so 
you know, first time mom, I don't regret getting that. Um, yeah. and both my husband, I think was relieved because he was really tired. So we both took naps and then basically for the next eight hours, we took naps and, um, they would come and check me. And it was very much like the business of being born. If you've yeah, ever watched yeah. me, a documentary. And then at the very end though, uh, praise God, I think that I was getting very close cause I'd been there like over 16 hours. So I think I was getting very close to them wanting to give me a C-section mm-hmm. and, um, praise God, I was able to push her out. I pushed for two hours. Um, she was posterior, but I couldn't feel any of that because I'd had the epidural. So, um, she came out, I had a fourth degree tear, which since it was the first birth, like I, I didn't really know like that it could have been so much better until my second and third birth. Um, So, you know, they had to stitch me up, but it wasn't awful. So I had so many friends who had like these traumatic births. That was not traumatic for me. It was just a classic business of being born birth. Did I want to have a natural birth? I did, but I was not dissatisfied with that birth. Mm -hmm. It did take five days for my milk to come in. And I I do, I have wondered, you know, did that have to do with epidural or all that? Because she was not very alert. You know, I would have Mm -hmm. to like wake her up with a wet washcloth to nurse. So anyway, um, it wasn't a bad birth, but it was my only medicated birth. Hey ladies, this week's sponsor is PrepDish.com. If you haven't heard of PrepDish, their motto is shop once, prep once, enjoy healthy, stress-free meals all week. So basically what they do is send you a meal plan once a week, you go do all of your grocery shopping, and then you pick a couple of hours, probably on your weekend, to do all your prep work for the week. So you only have to spend five to 20 minutes each night getting dinner actually on the table. Their menus are gluten-free and they even have paleo options. They are super healthy and super delicious, and man, are they a time saver. Living with my parents right now, my mom and I so value being able to get things prepped on the weekends. It makes the week so much less hectic and really saves us so much stress, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it too. So if you want to give them a try completely free for two weeks, go to PrepDish.com forward slash lovely, use the code lovely, and give it a try. See if it makes a big difference. I know coming into spring, things can be really crazy and hectic for a lot of people and we all need a little bit of a break so give yourself this future gift and get your work done on the weekend give it a try let me know what you think prepdish.com forward slash lovely so let's hear your second birth okay yeah well between my my first and my second was a, a whole different story because I became a trained doula and so like after my whole experience I was realizing like wait a minute, like, I think there could be some things I was missing in the whole like learning to give birth deal. And so that's when I, you know, being an ENFP, squirrel, I'm going to become a doula. And so <laughs> I went headlong into that. I also, well, I had a, a miscarriage in there too. And so I, but I had a midwife with the miscarriage and was just kind of, you know, seeing that it could be a very different experience than the very kind of um, sterile and cold experience that I'd had before with my first. And so I decided like, okay, I want to do things differently this time and not just during the birth, but also postpartum because I just really tried to kind of jump back into things postpartum. We, we, no one brought us meals or anything postpartum with my first. I like, I just didn't understand what it would take 
to really heal from a birth and um, just did way too much too soon. And I think that really was detrimental to my overall healing in the long run. And so I went into my second just completely different. We had taken really good, high-quality birth classes. They were Bradley Birth Method classes. And I had done all of my doula training. And so that next time I had a midwife and I was having a home birth, and I I felt like the first time felt like suffering because I didn't know how to handle the labor. And I felt like there was a lot of confusion because like, I didn't understand what posterior even meant when they were telling it to me in the hospital with my first, because you're like in labor. It's not the time to try to be comprehending like anything Mm -hmm. anyone's telling you. And so I felt like I just was armed with more knowledge the second time that I went into labor. But my second was 15 days past his due date. So I, yeah, yeah. So my first had only been three and then I had him, you know, it was a 21 hour labor. So I had him four days past his due date, but my second one, you know, here I am first time having a home birth, having it with a midwife, like any, any, I had friends who were, you know, nurses and stuff going, oh my gosh, like you can't go this past your due date. Your baby's going to die. Like what's going on? You can't allow this to happen. And then, so I was like reading things about, oh, well, and did you know that according to a Harvard study in the U S like typical births or typical gestation is 41 weeks, not 40 and like all of these things. And so my midwife was not concerned in any way, shape or form. We were still doing our weekly checks and everything. And it got to the Saturday before he was born and he was born on a Tuesday. And I thought, okay, I'm going to at least have her check me because my midwife doesn't even check, like even during labor. Mm-hmm. I, I never get checked. And so I, it was the one time I had her check me. I said, just just come see if I'm not at least at a four, then I will think about having like my membrane stripped. And so she checked me and I was at a four and I was like, dang, okay, well, I guess I got to just keep waiting. And so I waited and waited and she said, well, just like, why don't you write an article about what would happen if you never had this baby? So the night before he was born, I wrote a National Enquirer article about the woman (laughs) who stayed pregnant forever. (laughs) And I did it on my computer and I put this like miserably pregnant looking picture of me on the article. And I like stole the, um, like the official logo of the National Enquirer and I put it on the article. And I was saying all these ridiculous things about how the baby like went to Harvard and communicated through Morse code and like all of this stuff, like still being pregnant with this child 20 years later. And the very next morning I went into labor. And so I had that article like out (laughs) on my table. So when my midwife came in, okay, well back up. I woke up at 640 in the morning. I had a contraction. And then eight minutes later, I had another contraction. And eight minutes later, I had another contraction. So I was like, okay, well, something's probably happening. But they were pretty decent contractions. And so I... I kind of got up and was kind of moving around and stuff. And then I called my midwife and said, well, you know, you should probably make your way down here at some point. I think I'm probably in labor, but I don't want you to come if I'm not. And, you know, so go ahead. She lived out like she lived an hour and a half north of me and had, you know, farm animals and stuff. I was like, go feed your animals, like go do all the stuff and then just make your way into town. And so 
I we just were kind of getting our day rolling and I remember at one point I was taking a shower and I was like on my hands and knees in the shower and my husband was like you are in labor like because I was still doubting it because I'd gone 15 days of like am I in labor am I not he's like you are gonna have this baby like on the floor of the shower (laughs) you're definitely in labor and so I finally went and like was getting myself into the mindset of okay I I am gonna have this baby today and but I remember I like there was a point I think my transition happened within like two contractions my midwife Mm. was still not there And I remember just, like, standing up and feeling his head, like, drop into the birth canal. Like, uh, (laughs) this is moving fast, but I still thought I still have a long way to go. Like, looking back, I could be like, that's what was happening right there. But in the (laughs) moment, it was like, oh, my gosh. And I remember my husband at the time saying, um you're almost there. And I was like, shut up. I still have (laughs) like 15 more hours because I'd only been in labor at that point for like three and a half hours. And since my last one had been 21 hours, I was going like, you cannot say that to me. You cannot say that to me. I have so far to go. And so I got in the water and my midwife came and she was upstairs like reading the article and I had set out like treats and decorations and everything for the birth and she was looking through everything and then she heard me pushing downstairs it was like oh oh my gosh (laughs) and so she like rushed everything downstairs and threw her gloves on was like oh my gosh we're having this baby now and so by this point I was in the water and we had like filled the tub up too high because we had one of those blow-up tubs that was in our bedroom and you know first time using the tub and we had filled it up way too high with water and so my husband was like holding me up in the water (laughs) because there was too much water in the tub and everything and I remember him saying well how am I going to catch the baby because he was supposed to deliver the baby and my midwife was like well, we'll just let it float out and then you can grab it. It was like the absolute antithesis of everything we'd experienced the first time, you know. And so he ended up like he made managed to make his way around to be able to catch the baby. And we have like this great shot where I call it the Lion King shot where he's like holding him up out of the water. <laughs> like you just hear the, you know, the soundtrack like, nah, done, yeah. like here's this baby like, <laughs> coming up into the sunlight. It was it was pretty a great, you know, it just was so different. I was so shocked. It was four hours total. I mean, wow. I remember like being in the kitchen and getting breakfast for my older son who was had just turned three and you know I was just like I knew what to do with myself at that point like I was having intense contractions but I knew how to move with my body and listen to my body and know how to handle the contractions better where the first time I was just completely unprepared but now Mm -hmm. I felt like I had some tools to be able to use to get through the pain. Like it didn't feel like suffering anymore. It felt like pain, but it didn't feel like suffering because I knew how to handle it. And so all around, it just felt like an entirely different experience. I remember at one point I did, my midwife was down there and I did scream, which I was like, it was like involuntary. It was, I'm, I don't even want to be screaming. Like, why am I screaming? And she was like, you need to push that energy down. 
And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, like the, just the way that she said it made sense. And it was like, oh, I just need to push. Like that, my body's ready to push. I mean, I hadn't been checked. I hadn't anything. It just was like my body was doing what it was supposed to be doing. And so really, as far as I like, I had a little bit of a tear, but nothing, nothing nearly like what I had with my first son. And so it just all around felt like such a different process. It felt like I couldn't even compare one birth to the other mm-hmm. because I, and I felt like I had control of myself and the experience. Like there were only people there who I knew and trusted. And I, I was the one in control of what was happening. Unless I knew that if something were to not look right, my midwife would intervene. But other than that, she was just letting me do my thing and it worked. So that was a really gratifying experience the second time around. I think, oh, well, mine was too. And I just think those, like if there's a mom listening who did not have her ideal first birth, yeah, not to say that every other birth is going to be perfect because yeah. my number fourth <laughs> was my hardest, um, yeah. but there is hope for like not every birth has to be like your first birth yeah. and uh, every birth is going to be different. So my second birth, I, we moved to a new place. So we lived outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and, um, I got a midwife and it was a midwife, a certified nurse midwife. Mm -hmm. So North Carolina home births, I have plenty of friends that have had them, but they're not technically legal. Mm -hmm. Um, unless you have a certified nurse midwife in the home, but there's like one place in North Carolina where they even do that. So anyway, I had a certified nurse midwife in a hospital and I hired a doula. Mm -hmm. Now we did not have the money for a doula at the time, but I had um, a friend from church who was going through doula training. She needed a guinea pig. And so she said, I have to charge you something. So I'm going to charge you a dollar. So she literally charged me a dollar to be my doula. And then I had um, one of my best friends who was a professional massage therapist and who had very much inspired me to have a natural birth. They all were at the birth with my husband. So I had my husband, my midwife, my doula, and my massage therapist. Wow. (laughs) It was was awesome. So with that birth, I could not afford a class, but I knew from the first birth that I needed to do my homework if I was going to have a natural childbirth. So, you know, the first step was, you know, getting that more natural provider, the midwife and um, this, you know, and getting the doula. So those were the first two steps. But then what did I do? I watched the business of being born, which was highly educating. And I watched... This other one, it's kind of funny, but my doula recommended I watch this documentary called Orgasmic yes! Birth. I was I knew that's what you were gonna say. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So and like the premise is that like these women have like their births are so amazing. They actually have orgasms while they're giving birth. I can't say that that yeah. happened to me. And yeah. if it did, I don't even know that I would say it. But, yeah. it didn't. <laughs> but you know, it was it was still good because you just it was still educational on like how to just process the pain and yeah. you know, just really like embrace it and not fight it. And so that was really good. Um, I read some books like the birth book by the Dr. Sears family, Mm -hmm. like one of my favorites. It's one that I read. And, um, I think I may have even read the Bradley book. So even though we couldn't afford a class, I did everything that I could to really self-educate and it paid off. So with that second, um, labor, 
Um, I went into labor in the middle of the night. I was really scared that I was going to have my water break prematurely again. And Uh, so I was also group B strep positive. uh, Um, and that was one reason why I was scared it was going to happen. So it did break, but I started contractions immediately in the middle of the night. So it didn't break prematurely. And I, I followed like this whole, like, like I took a lot of vitamin C and stuff to try to like make it where it wouldn't break prematurely. And so mm-hmm. it broke like right as labor was starting. And, um, I called the doula. Um, she came over and I labored at home for four hours. So because I had in my head, you've got to get to the hospital within four hours of your water breaking so you can get antibiotics. That's what I did. Like even the the midwife told me that. So I was like super strict on that. I think my doula probably would have been cool with me laboring at home longer, but I labored at home for four hours and I had the ball and, um, I like hung over her and over my husband. I sang hymns really loudly. Um, it was just a completely different experience than being flat on my back in the bed at the hospital, like the first time. And so after four hours, we decided it's time to go to the hospital. And it was really cool because it was on my due date. And right before I was kind of getting scared that she hadn't come when my first one was eight days early. And so we left for the hospital around six o'clock in the morning and we're getting in the the car to go. And I look up and it was a full moon. And like everybody had been saying, a full moon's coming, baby's coming, full moon. It was just really cool. So we got there and um, they gave me a Heplock, which is something that you can have um, where you don't have to be hooked up like to a mm-hmm. bed, like be in the bed, but you could still get antibiotics if you need them. And you could still get like if there was an emergency where they needed to put an IV at me at the very end, they would. So I had that in my birth plan. So they put the Heplock on me, but I could still be completely mobile. And so I do think I got one dose of antibiotics. And then um, I went into the shower. The room I was in did not have a bathtub, which oh. was super, a big bummer because they were remodeling the hospital, but they had a shower. And so I basically sat on the ball in the shower and, um, like my friend, like massaged my back and my doula, you know, they were spraying me with hot water and my husband was giving me water for me to drink through a straw. It was like, they were just like fanning me and feeding me grapes. That's kind of what it felt <laughs> like. It was, it was pretty awesome. And then though, at one point, you know, I think I was nearing transition. And so in the shower, I was like no pants on, but I was wearing like a cami and the cami got wet. And so my doula was like, I think you're going to be more comfortable if we put something dry on you. So I reached in my arm. She took off my cami and then she was going to try to put a cami back on me. And I was like, no, don't touch me. So for like the next two hours, I was like butt naked in this room. That was all me in my first labor. I mean, it was like, when you look back, I'm like my friend, she's still one of my best friends. I'm like, I'm so sorry you had to see yeah. me naked. And I mean, I was just like completely, like anybody could have opened that hospital room door yep. and that because Because what I would do, so that midwife, for some reason, she wanted to like monitor me like every certain amount of time. So I would be in the shower and then she'd be like, okay, let's monitor you. So I would go and I would like lay on my side in the bed. And then she said, I want you to try this. I want you to try like shaking the bed. So I went back to the bed and I just shook the bed through transition. And then um, after that, I started pushing and I still pushed for an hour and a half with my second baby. 
So I found out later my uterus is tilted. And also, let's see, not with her. With my third and fourth baby, I ha- babies, I had chiropractic adjustments mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And I still had all four posterior. And it has something to do with the shape of my uterus. And really, I think it's kind of miraculous that I never had a C-section. Yeah. So what was really cool, so she was posterior, but I did um, I did push her out and she came out posterior. But um, my midwife, when she was um, like right after she crowned, my midwife said, do you want to pull her out? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. So I like, she helped me reach down my hands and I like wrapped my hands around her like torso. And I actually pulled my baby out of me yeah. myself. And that was pr- one of the coolest moments of motherhood. And I pulled her up to my chest and then my doula said, do you want to do the breast crawl? And, um, we did that. So basically awesome. I just let her lay on my chest and she found my breast and she started nursing herself. It was, it was so amazing. And, you know, I had been worried about tearing because the first one was a fourth degree tear. Yeah. My doula, I'm mean, not my doula, my midwife did the um, perineum massage uh, Yeah, and barely tore like maybe a first degree like and it was just like nothing and so even though I had no pain meds it it was a much better birth than my first birth yeah that sounds a lot like my experience yeah I think there's just so much there's a big difference between your first and second and getting to have those experiences oh and like you were saying with I'm getting to deliver the second baby like for me with the first one they're like do you want a mirror do you want to see do you want to touch the baby and I was so just like I think I was still I didn't think about the baby so much as getting through the labor with my first like I was very disconnected from that it's like no I don't want to touch it I just want to get it out Mm -hmm. and then I'll love the baby but with my second Mm -hmm. even I remember them saying like do you want to reach down and touch the head and I said no but I did it anyway and it actually Mm -hmm. really helped me control my pushing if I would have my hand on the baby's head it was like I could just feel more like how I was delivering and so it was actually ended up being really helpful and but actually, for the longest time after my fourth, because I had had my hand on her head, if I would hold her just right and have her hand, like after she was born, be holding her with her head in my hand, it would like take me back to that place of birth. Like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't want to go back there. It was just this very weird thing of like, oh, the shape <laughs> of her head in my hand, like just take me back there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think there's just once you get more of that knowledge, even though it's still painful, like we were both saying, like there's there can be a big, a big difference in how you're able to handle it. Hey ladies, we're going to take a quick minute to hear from this week's sponsor, which is RX Bar Kids. Now, I've talked about them before, but if you aren't familiar, they are a clean label snack bar made with high quality real ingredients designed specifically for kids. With egg whites, fruits, and nuts as the base, RX Bar Kids contain 7 grams of protein and have absolutely zero added sugar, no gluten, soy, dairy, or bad stuff. They're delicious, clean, and convenient snacks that kids love. They come in three different flavors, chocolate chip, apple cinnamon raisin, and berry blast. We personally love the chocolate chip the best, and they are the perfect thing to throw in my purse so that we have them when we're on the go for a quick breakfast. They go in my kids' lunch boxes. I love to have them if I'm running around to different errands and they just need a good snack that's going to be filling and stick with them. Personally, since they sent me my first box, we have gone back to Costco time and time again and gotten more RX bars because not only do my kids love them, 
I really love them. I love knowing that I can eat something clean that is on the go and I don't have to worry about what's in it. Plus, it's just really nutritious and I feel full for a really long time and so do my kids. I think you're going to really like them too. And so RX Bar has given us the chance to get 25% off your first order and free shipping. All you have to do is go to rxbar.com forward slash lovely and use the code lovely and you'll be able to get in your order super quick and they will deliver it right to your door and I think you're going to love them. You can also find them at Target. So go give them a try. Let me know what you think and you'll probably be seeing me on Instagram stories when I go back and I'm getting another box all the time. But then Mm -hmm. with my third, and I'm sure you'll kind of be getting around to this with your fourth, with my third, it was a 16-hour labor, and so I labored through the evening and the night, and I had her at 8 a.m., and I I had the same two doulas that I'd had at my first two labors, but one of them had had a lot of changes in her life and she was going to school and she was doing different things and all of a sudden the way she was being a doula was very different Mm -hmm. and I felt kind of from the moment she walked in that she was putting me on her timetable like I've got places to go you need to get up and get moving you need to do all these different things and I felt like she kind of took the control away from me and instead of me being able to take it back I think when you're in that vulnerable place of labor when someone kind of does that I I couldn't fight for it and I couldn't verbalize what it was that I needed and so that made that labor a lot more difficult she was she was nine days past her due date. Mm. So I don't know. I just, I felt like that kind of took my control away. I felt like there was a general nonchalance from people in my family and my support system that, oh, you've done this. Birth's no big deal. And it was like, uh, <laughs> no, birth still really hurts even if you've done it before. And so I kind of felt like the people that I, not all the people, but some of the people that I had there supporting me weren't taking it as seriously as I really needed them to, to be able to get through it. And so I really kind of felt myself shutting down during that birth process. And Mm -hmm. that was really hard. And then also while I was pushing, there got to a point where I just said, I can't do it. Like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And for some reason, like I knew something was off or something was a little bit different. And it turned out that my daughter had her head turned a little bit sideways and she had her hand on her cheek. Mm. And so like that made it more difficult and hard. But all that to say, I once I was in the water and I was doing it, even though I said, like, I can't do this, I kind of had to get to this point where I just kind of shut out everybody around me. Like I could hear them talking, but I didn't I wasn't responding when they would ask me questions. I was just kind of trying to do my thing. And I felt like that was the only way I could really get through it. And like I, I remember hearing because I ended up on my hands and knees because you just like when you're just following your body, you just kind of naturally get into the position that you feel like is working best. Yes. And, yep. like I, I hadn't had that experience with my first, but with her, I ended up on my hands and knees. And I remember them saying like, like, how are we going to get to the baby? Or you know, and it was just like, I don't, I don't <laughs> even know. I don't even care. Like, I'm just having this baby. And I didn't know until afterward either because with all of my births, my kids have also been there. They've been at home. 
Mm. And so Roman was there with Judah's birth, but he wasn't in the room where he did come into the room with Emerson's birth. And I said, like, you need to be prepared because I'm going to get loud. So he was six at this point. I was like, you don't have to be in here, but you need to know that I'm going to be loud. And so you, if you can't handle it, you just need to go because, like, I can't handle you right now. And he was said, no, I want to be here. I want to make sure everything's okay. And I want to be here. And so I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> That's fine. And I didn't find out until afterward. Like, I just totally didn't hear this as I was, like, in the midst of pushing. I'm on my hands and knees. And my midwife apparently brought him around to the back of me and said, here, Roman, here's the best view. <laughs> and so, oh, like, my goodness. He and how old was he again? He was six. And he witnessed the whole thing. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Which he was like, it was fine, mom. It was fine. I was like, well, if I have another baby ever, you are not allowed (laughs) near the lower half of my body. But um, he he wasn't traumatized for as much as you think he would be. He wasn't. And I had her and I had her on my hands and knees. And somehow I was able to get her under my leg to get her up to my chest and then sit down in the water. And yeah. And so but I she was another one like I had a different experience bonding with my second than I did with my first. But with my daughter, again, it was like that instant connection. I don't know if it's like, oh, because she was a girl and I wanted a girl so badly or I don't know what it was, but there was just that instant bond again. And, you know, we stay in the water until I deliver the placenta and then the cord gets cut. And so there, you know, we just like would wrap me in the baby in towels and just kind of got to look into her eyes and be like, oh my gosh, I have this daughter. And it ended up, even though it was a really hard birth experience. And this is something, okay, Bring up the strengths finder as I often do. I <laughs> bring up some <laughs> personality test. But I'm very like competitiveness is my third strength, which I really hate, but it is. And wow. yeah. Okay. And yeah, so I don't have that one. I'm super judgmental of my own birthing ability. Like mm-hmm. I want to be the best birther my midwife has ever seen. And I want to like do things really well. And so I really had to kind of get past myself mentally with that birth feeling like, oh, I shut down. Did I not do things as well as I should have? Like, and just be like, oh my gosh, I had a baby. Like I, I pushed a baby out and I, she's beautiful and wonderful. Like I had to get past those emotional things, even though I was having this picturesque home birth and the water and like, I still doubted myself. And Mm. so I think that's just interesting. Like any mom, no matter how you're giving birth, you can question (laughs) what you're doing, you know, and like how, how well you did or whatever. I had to just work through a lot emotionally after her birth, but I did bond with her and I didn't tear at all with my third and man what a difference (laughs) that is to just be intact and not be healing from that on top of everything else hers was by far my best postpartum healing experience Mm. yeah I mean to me that sounds like such an awesome birth and you're right like we still second guess everything kind of like yeah, we'll get to my fourth birth, but it, yeah. I'm always like, it was a natural birth, but yeah, it was not my best birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah. Well, with my my third birth was my best birth. It was just like the dream birth. And it was like the one birth where I felt like this is this must have been how it was for my mom, who Aww. was always like birthing is easy. Yeah. So with my fourth, I mean my third birth, um, I went twelve days past my due date. Yeah. And the week before I was getting really nervous. So I was still seeing the same midwife group, but they're overseen by OBs. And so I was starting to feel the pressure of yeah. if I made, if I went past 14 days, I was going to have to be induced. And I really didn't want to be induced because I still had yeah. that memory of the Pitocin from Absolutely. the first birth. And so I was just super anxious and I had the same doula. This time we had enough money we'd saved to pay her. And um, I decided not to have my massage therapist friend back because she had just had her own baby. So anyway, um, I was just really anxious. And so a few days before um, the midwives got the approval from the OBs and they said, there's no reason why she can't go all 14 days. There's no reason to like rush into the induction, like yeah. day 10 or something. So it was like, that was like day 11 or something. And by that point it was like, that is what I needed to just really calm down. Yeah. And so like two days before I went and got acupuncture and I did like everything and anything to try to get that baby out. Yeah. And then I just relaxed. And like the whole day before I inserted evening primrose oil yeah. and laid in my bed <laughs> yep. like the whole day before my mom came over and watched the girls. Um, and again, once again, I woke up in the middle of the night and my water had not broken, but I woke up with very intense contractions. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I was having them in my sleep, but all I know is that I was having intense contractions. I called my doula, woke up my husband, called my doula. And she said, well, why don't you just go back and lie down and go back to sleep and then wake me up, you know, then call me back. Yeah. And so by the time my husband, I asked my husband to go make me a smoothie. And by the time he got back upstairs, like I couldn't even talk through the contractions. And yeah. I was like, I think we need to call her back. And once she knew I couldn't talk through them, she knew, okay, like I need to come over. So she came over and um, I got in the bathtub at my house and we planned on laboring at home again. But, you know, when not much time had passed, I was like, I feel like I have to push. Like, this is really weird, but I feel like I have to push. Yeah. And so she's like, okay, well, we should go ahead and leave. And I think my dad came to watch the other two kids. So we got to the hospital. And when I got there, like I intentionally, I was wearing my swimsuit top from, I thought maybe I'll go back in the shower or whatever. Yeah. And I was wearing a skirt, but no underwear. Yeah. So we get there and I'm like in transition, first of all, in the van, like on the way there. Oh, and I'm the screaming worst. and we get there and like we signed in and the lady's like, let me get you a wheelchair. And I'm like, you've got to get me to this room. Like I'm like yelling. And then we're in the elevator and I'm like screaming, Jesus, help me. And like <laughs> screaming off my lungs. And then they get me into the room and it was really awesome because the nurse team I had, they were like the crunchy nurses nice. and they were like, this is awesome. You are awesome. You're a woman. Like, come on, roar, whatever. Yeah. And they pulled my skirt off. Like I got up on the bed. I was like, I got to have this baby. And they pulled it off and I had no underwear on. They're like, girl, you are ready. <laughs> and they basically, they were like, listen, the midwife may not get here, but it's okay. We can handle it. And, um, because she was posterior, I, I, the midwife was able to make it. Yeah. So 
she was my fastest labor from very start from that time I woke up with those contractions until she was in my arms. It was three and a half hours. Nice. But still, I still pushed for 45 minutes. Ah. So I started pushing and then the midwife got there and she was like, she's posterior. Like she could tell, she was like, I can tell from like your back labor and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, my other ones were too. And so she's like, okay, I want you to like get up on the back of the bed and I want you to like squat down. It was kind of like, like all fours kind of like hanging onto the back of the bed. And so I did that. And when I did that, she's my only one of all four who actually like turned around. And so she didn't come out. Oh, nice. So she pretty much like they did the perineum massage and she pretty much was the only one that like slid out. What was interesting is though, she was at the time my biggest of those three. So she was nine pounds, two ounces, but easy peasy, easy peasy. And when she came out, the first words out of my mouth were, I could do that 10 times. Yeah. Like, and the oxytocin was just going and I was just like walking on air. Like I just loved it so much. That's awesome. Yeah, when you have those births, it's just like, oh, that's what it could be like. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, with my fourth, so she was 11 days. So again, it's like they all (laughs) just went, they just liked hanging out in there. And so when I finally went into labor with her, it was like a Monday afternoon. And... I went from nothing to, I remember I came downstairs to, like, I was trying to get something out of our freezer, and it was like one of those drawer freezers on the bottom of our fridge, and I ended up having a contraction while I was down next to the freezer, and I just ended up, like, on all fours, like, moaning, and my husband was like, um, you're not usually like that, like, at the beginning of labor, like, that's that's odd that you're doing that right there. Like, are you sure it's that bad already? <laughs> like, are you blowing this out of proportion? I'm like, no, I don't think so. And so, but still, we just kept thinking like, oh, I'm probably not really in labor because I'd have some contractions kind of every evening or whatever. So I called my midwife. I was like, well, I don't know if I am or whatever. So then by, I think, five o'clock, she was like, well, go take a bath and see if things calm down. So I called her from the bath and I was still having pretty regular contractions, but they were fairly far apart. Like, I don't think they ever got too terribly close. They'd be like 10 minutes apart. And um, so I called her and was like, I don't know. They're, I'm, they're, they're still here. I'm taking this bath, but they're still here. And she's like, well, let me just head down because it'll take me an hour and a half to get there or whatever. And so she came and by that point, like I'm definitely having more intense contractions, but I'm still not thinking, I'm still going like, do you think it's real? Do you think I'm really in labor? And she's like, yeah, I think so. Like, we'll wait it out here, but I'm thinking so. And for this one, I had given all of my kids the option, like, do you want to be there or not? And we had gotten most of the kids in bed, but Roman, well, no, I don't know if we had. I think maybe we put Emerson to bed. But Roman and Judah, like, came into the room, and Roman was like, I am here for you, Mom. Because my husband was running around, like, trying to get stuff done to get prepared for the birth or whatever. And he was just like, I am right here for you. And I had 
one rule or two rules. I said, you cannot talk to me while I'm having contractions like that. You cannot talk and you have to stay on the northern half of my body. <laughs> like <laughs> You may not be near the bottom this time. And so there is this one point in the labor where he was flapping his arms around and stuff. And we were like, what is going on? And he he said that he farted. <laughs> so I was like, uh. okay, third rule <laughs> of labor. You may not fart <laughs> while you're in here. <laughs> and so then a little while later, he was like moving his arm again. And I remember my husband saying like, did you fart again? Like, we're going to have to kick you out. And he was like, no, dad, I was trying not to talk, but I was trying to tell you, like, I'm your wingman. I'm in here to help mom and stuff. And it was just the cutest thing. I mean, he was almost nine years old and he was just like holding my hand and talking me through the contractions. And he just wanted to be right there. But my other son, who was six at the time, or I guess five and a half, he came in and he lasted through about one contraction. He was like, yeah, okay. I think I'm going to go. It's like, that's okay, buddy. Like it was just way too much for him to handle. It was so funny to see like their different personalities. And he just like, he wanted to help his dad like fill the tub and do those things, but he didn't want to like witness the actual like pain and intensity of it. Um, so, and that was totally fine. And, but there was this point where I was having these contractions and my midwife was like, um, so are you guys planning on having a water birth? Because if you are, you're going to need to get the tub filled. We're probably not going to get it filled before she has the baby. And we were still like, really? Like, I'm really in labor. (laughs) Like, here I am, my fourth (laughs) baby and I'm a doula. And I'm still like, are you sure? Are you sure this baby's coming out? And so I was still like laboring in the bedroom and he was getting the tub filled. And at one point I remember looking around me like I could have sworn my midwife was right here. And so I called for her and she was laying down on the floor next to my bed where I couldn't see her <laughs> because she said that through all of my labors that she'd experienced with me, she realized that if it was just like me and one person, like my husband or my son or whatever, I my contractions were more effective than if Mm. other people were in the room. And so she would just hide so she could still like listen to what was going on and make sure everything was okay. (laughs) But that she would just kind of let me do my thing, which I thought was really interesting and that she had even picked up on that. And so I went to get in the water. We finally got the tub filled. I went to get in the water. And then and I kind of did this with my other labors as well. I would get to like right before I needed to push and was like, okay, everybody out. I got to go to the bathroom. Just everybody go away. And so I, and we had the tub filled in our bathroom for the second or the third and fourth labors. And so I got out and I went to the bathroom. But then when I was sitting on the toilet, I was like, I'm pushing, like, oh my gosh, like I'm fully like full on pushing now. And so I was like, okay, you guys come back in, like figuring they were right outside the door. Crickets. Nobody responded. And so I'm like, what is going on? So I'm like, I had a couple of contractions sitting on the toilet. I'm pushing. And then I'm yelling like, for my husband, for my midwife. And finally, I just start yelling, like, help! Like, would somebody show up? Where are you people? And then they all came running back upstairs. And they're like, oh, well, we, you know, one went to the bathroom and one went to grab a snack. And I'm like, this is not the time for that. 
like, I'm literally having the baby. And so I got in the water. But even at that point, it was like I I had not mentally prepared myself to be pushing yet. Like I just Mm. finally accepted the fact that I'm in labor. And so I'm like full on pushing. I just kind of landed in the tub and we had it pushed into a corner and I landed like in the back corner. Like they could hardly even reach me. And I'm like back there (laughs) laboring. And so it was just kind of this crazy experience where I didn't expect it to happen as quickly as it did. And so I went into labor at like three or something. We had her at 1050. And Hmm. so it just, it ended up being pretty quick, but it felt quicker because I just mentally didn't accept that I was in labor until the very end. And so I had her, my, all the kids were in there when I had her and nobody was permanently traumatized. And it just, oh, and I had a friend who was coming to photograph the birth. I only had one doula and she was there for just a few minutes before she was born. Cause I kept like saying, oh, don't worry, just come when you can. <laughs> like I tend to do. And then my birth photographer rolled in five minutes after she was born. <laughs> like it just, it just went so much faster than we expected. Oh, wow. But then I went to get out of the tub, like was feeling okay, okay, I had her, great, whatever. She was my biggest baby. I think she was eight, three, and um, went to get out of the tub. And that's when I realized, like, oh, something happened. Like, I cannot lift my leg over the, t- the side of the tub. And I had actually separated my pubic bone. And mm. so that I hadn't torn at all, but. Oh boy, that was a really painful one to try to heal from. And even now, if I turn a certain way, like sometimes it'll like I can feel it shift or like I I ran somewhere with my son a couple of like a year or two after I had her and like it felt fully re-injured again. Like I think it's just always going to be kind of one of those weak points in my body now after that but that like I had to walk down the stairs and up the stairs backwards because it's less taxing than if you go forwards and stuff like it was that was a a majorly painful process to come back from for sure but I bet yeah but other than that it just felt like it was the only labor that I walked away from feeling like oh I had a baby today Like, that's just what happened. And it wasn't like, I didn't feel like I had a bunch of like emotional stuff to work through. And it just Mm -hmm. felt like, okay, it happened. She's here now and we're living our life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That would have been my third for sure. Yeah. And then my fourth came. And then your fourth came. Yeah. So my fourth was nine days overdue. But the thing is, we had two different due dates. And I was, I know he was nine days overdue. Well, the mid, I went to a different midwife office, but the one that delivered my third one, which was amazing. She was one of the midwives, but they had a lot of turnover. One that delivered my second one left. And then I found out right before I was going to deliver that the midwives weren't even on 
call 24 seven at this ah. hospital. I switched hospitals to, to try to get one of these midwives. So that was really aggravating and stressful, but yeah. I have a, a good friend that I met five years ago at mops and she's a doctor and she is my doctor, like my general practitioner. And she has rights at that hospital and she can deliver babies. So I told her about what was going on and she said, I can deliver your baby. You just give me the word and I'll be there. Wow. And so what ended up happening was that there was a midwife on call, but the doctor and the midwife were both there and I had a doula and my husband. So it was great. My one doula wasn't doulaing anymore. So I got a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the best birth team. Um, everything still was really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so I had in my head, I'm going to go into labor at night because I had gone into labor at night three times previously. Yep. So we get to where I'm like nine days overdue. I had gone to get acupuncture twice. I then tried to do all the other things that I did to induce labor with my third one. And I just had this feeling that, that he needed to come out soon. I did not feel like I could wait 12 days or 14 days. And now I know why. So basically, um, and like the midwife's office, like they're like, no, you know, like he's, he's probably fine. You know, yeah. he might be about nine pounds, but that's how, how big your other one was. And, um, they were wrong. He, yeah. he was nine pounds. He was bigger. And, um, so during the day I went into labor and I had really been kind of in a bad mood that whole day, the day, like the night before, I think I lost my mucus plug Mm -hmm. or had a show. And, and then the next day, like I was bleeding a little bit all day and, um, I still wasn't in like that full blown labor, but I was like crampy. And so, um, we had like a sitter there with me so I could do my work but she also came like on homeschool days too last year Mm -hmm. and so I was um I was doing homeschool work with the girls and I was sitting on my ball and she told me later she was like Erin she was like you were like in such a bad mood that day she was (laughs) like you were like yelling at the girls for like not getting you a napkin and she's like it was very out of character for you she's like usually you're really nice and you're really mean (laughs) and um so I told her like right after homeschool stuff was done and my husband had come home and I told both of them, I was like, okay, I'm going upstairs to lie down because I think I might go into labor tonight. Yeah. Well, like 20 minutes labor later, they hear me screaming. I'm in full-blown labor. Oh, my goodness. And, like, we needed to get to the hospital. So we get there, and there weren't any rooms. So we go to triage, and they check me, and I was, like, at six centimeters or something. And so I was like, y'all have got to get me a room. Like, I was I – was pretty much like I was going into transition. I was because by the time we got in the room, like 20 minutes later, I was at a 10. Wow. So I was like, okay, let's get this show on the road. And my doula was like, this is awesome. I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't know that the doctor was actually quite there yet, but the midwife was there and, um, and then everything stopped. Like I was at 10 centimeters, everything stopped and he was so big. Yeah. I had to push him into the birth canal and I pushed for three and a half hours Ugh. and I've pushed in every position imaginable. The only thing I didn't do was get in the tub or shower. And for some reason in this birth, I did not feel like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would have been fine with me doing that, but I just didn't feel like I wanted to. And so I sat on the toilet. Um, I had embarrassing things happen that never happened with my other births. Oh. <laughs> I like, 
kind of danced or whatever with my husband. I sat on the ball. The only position that they did not like was when I stood on top of the bed. They thought the bed was <laughs> great. And they're like, Aaron, get off the bed. I did every position possible to try oh. to get the baby moving. And finally, after three and a half hours, he was like, I was pushing and I was kind of sitting up kind of like in a chair, like they made the bed into a chair, if you can mm-hmm. imagine. Yeah. And um, they said, do you want to see his head? And I had never done the whole mirror thing before. And so they brought the mirror and I could see his head. And I was feeling encouraged, like, okay. But at the same time, like, the whole time, I was like, get this baby out. Like, I was, like, done. Yeah. And a few times I said, I'm done. And they were like, no, you're not done. And I was like, I'm just, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And it wasn't from the pain. It was just, like, I didn't have the stamina. Yeah. And so um, then everything just got really confusing. And I heard people shuffling around and, and they were frantic and the doula, the midwife grabbed the doula's arm and they, she's like, push her stomach. So they're both pushing me and I didn't know what was going on. And so what had happened was um, like everybody, like a bunch of people came in and like stood in front of the mirror. Uh, My baby had shoulder dystocia. So his shoulder got stuck coming out. So it's like, basically he came out and went back in and they had to like un stick him like they had to like get him back out and in the process I had a third degree tear and I had no idea what was going on and so it was really traumatic yeah and then he's born and the nurse so I had like this perfect birth team except the nurse she had never seen a natural birth and she made faces the whole time like she was disgusted in fact Uh. my midwife and doctor were not happy with her at all and after he was born he had low blood sugar he was 10 pounds was it two or three ounces? I think 10 pounds, three ounces. No, four ounces. He was oh my 10 goodness. pounds, My third one was nine pounds, two ounces. So everybody's thinking, this woman has given three other vaginal births. Yeah. Her, you know, the last two I had barely torn. I had given birth to a big baby, but yeah. I will tell you, there's a difference between nine pounds, two ounces, <laughs> four ounces. Like there, it's, you can feel it. Yeah. And so, his blood sugar was low. And so I literally got to hold him for like a few minutes, barely any. And they come in the room like a different nurse. And she's like, his blood sugar's low. We need to take him to the NICU right now. He's going to have brain damage. And my husband stepped out of the room. So it was like, it was just very traumatic for me. Not peaceful at all. Other hospital, like I had donor milk that I could give. This one, they didn't allow it. And so I didn't have that immediate bonding. And it was just really, it was hard. It, yeah. It's taken a year to process it. I haven't even yeah. written on my blog yet because it wasn't peaceful. It wasn't that beautiful last birth I hoped to have. Yeah. It's totally bonded now, but I can definitely say there wasn't that same bonding in the hospital because of him being in the NICU. Yeah. And it, when things just don't go as you expect and it just, it's, it's a lot harder. It's like I said, even with my first, it was so difficult that you you disconnect kind of from the baby and like, I don't know. I just, I think there's so many different things that play into it. And that postpartum, like I was going to say a little while ago is so important. And I handled it so differently with my, my last three and being able to give myself the time to heal and just like hang out with my baby and not have responsibilities. Like we would always send our kids someplace else and just kind of like have those few days with just the baby. But when that's interrupted by something you have absolutely no control over, um, having your baby in the NICU, like that is 
I just, I can't even process what those emotions and, you know, how difficult that is to your mental and even physical healing process by not being able to have them nursing as much and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was definitely really hard. Yeah. So, but I'm, he's fine now and I'm so thankful for him. We had like therapies and stuff we had to go through to yeah. like his first year because I had like other injuries and yeah. it was tough. It was yeah. really tough. Yeah. Well, and I think that that just, it allows you like this experience, the different experiences that I've had with my births, I feel like allowed me to be able to relate to more women. As much as I wasn't thrilled with the hospital experience that I had, I'm so glad that I had it because if I'd only ever had home births and whatever, like I wouldn't be able to talk to women who have had that experience because there wouldn't be the same level of understanding. And so Mm -hmm. you have that understanding to be able to talk to women who've been through the NICU and all those kinds of things too. Like I think that God gives us all different experiences to be able to minister to different people. And I'm as hard as they are at the time and for a long time after even, I'm so grateful for the experiences that he gives us. Absolutely. I feel the exact same way. Well, that was a fun episode. I feel like I got to know you so much better. I know. It was so fun. Yes. I hope our stories will encourage people. Yes. And if you guys have any questions or you want to talk about birth more or postpartum stuff, I know that Aaron and I would both love to chat with you guys in the Facebook group. So be sure to head over there. You can just search Cultivating the Lovely on Facebook. And otherwise, we'll just do this super quick because this was a long episode. We, we came <laughs> into today being like, oh, we'll just do like these short episodes of be good and then Aaron and I just can't help ourselves but chat no. forever <laughs> so what is a way that you are currently cultivating loveliness Erin okay I am enjoying taking my kids to the library oh which we stopped for a long time yeah. to be honest I mean I I had three kids within four years and yeah. I'm just not that type of mom that could just take them out all over the place all the time when they were all little. Um, And I know lots of moms do and that's fun and that's how they get out and see people, but I'm just not that mom. But now they're older and I can be that mom. So we're really enjoying that because two of my girls can read and it's just somewhere fun and free to take them. That is fun. I like that. Okay. My thing that I'm doing to cultivate loveliness is I'm still like over the months I've been collecting little things and I've really started collect like for my new home. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm getting at. And so I've really started collecting some little plants and like succulents and things that I want to have around my house. And I've never really had many plants But I'm so excited to just, like, buy the greenery. For some reason, they just make me happy. Leah Bowden has talked to me about, you know, she's even been on the show talking about all of her plants and stuff, and it just inspired me. And so I'll just go to, like, Trader Joe's and pick up a little succulent for, like, $3. And so I've just slowly been accumulating all of those things to have in my house. So... That's been really fun for me. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Erin. And I look forward to talking to you for next month. Okay. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. 
Whew. Well, I know that one was a little bit of a doozy, but hopefully you guys really enjoyed it and maybe found it relatable anyway, because Erin and I sure enjoyed ourselves recording it and getting to know each other better. It was a lot of fun. Just a couple of notes before we wrap things up. The Lovely Homeschool course is about to go off of its sale price. So if you still want to get it for that $19.99 price, then you're going to want to make sure to head over to the lovelyhomeschoolcourse.com and get in as soon as possible. Because after a year of other women loving and using the course, I can confidently say that it will revolutionize your homeschool. It will really help you plan and prep for your best year yet. So head over to the lovelyhomeschoolcourse.com. We also have a lot of fun things happening in the Patreon group. So for the month of May, we are talking all about our entryway and our hobbies. We're actually walking step by step through how to figure out what hobbies we're most interested in, what we have time for in this season of our lives, how to find more time for them and really get the most out of them that we possibly can. So if you want to walk through that process with us and really talk about it in community, we would love to have you join us over on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash cultivating the lovely to find out more about what we have to offer there, including the new weekly podcast. We've actually been at it for a month now called What Ingrid and Fiona Like. And it's where me and my best friend, Rebecca, talk about things that we like on a bunch of different subjects. So, so far we've done our favorite podcasts and our favorite snack foods and our most used apps. We've got lots of other fun topics coming up throughout the month of May, and we would love to be able to share those with you over on Patreon as well. Okay, ladies, I think that's it for this week. I'll be back with the lovely Leah Bowden next week. Thank you as always for your ratings and reviews that you're leaving in iTunes and sharing it with your friends. We just really appreciate you spreading the word and helping other women in your lives cultivate loveliness. All right, till next time, ladies. Go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.